Broski here, and right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Pashery, with me this week are my good friends, Mr. Sexy Punta Cana, the now forever C. Kane Joe Rodermel. Zero burner accounts since 81. <laughs> uh, Mr. Wednesday Night Live, the European champion, hailing from Bangor, Maine, where a handful of people are listening to the show, allegedly. Uh, I think you need a new location now. That's a real thing. Yeah, it is. I think you need a new location now. Yeah, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I don't need burner accounts. I'll just tell you how it is. <laughs> Yeah, so real quick, subscribe on iTunes, five-star ratings and reviews. Uh, As you guys know from listening to the show, I'm a huge Sixers fan. (laughs) I don't even really know what to say. Alo, and I don't know if you've seen the latest developments in this, Brian Colangelo. Something changed since earlier? Yes. Um, The wife is a key suspect. Yeah, so for anybody who is unaware, an article came out that basically someone who specializes in artificial intelligence was able to decipher that five different Twitter accounts all seem to be linked to Brian Colangelo in some way. How do you specialize in artificial intelligence? Was it AI? Uh, it was not. <laughs> I, maybe or was it the real AI? The real answer. I don't know, but... That seems like one of those specialties that you tell your parents I want to specialize in, and they're like, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these five accounts, now the, the writer of the article who was given this information called the Sixers and said... Basically, there were two accounts they were pretty confident based on who they were following and what they were tweeting. And he told whoever this representative from the Sixers are is there is a possibility that two Twitter, these two specific Twitter accounts are linked to Brian Colangelo. Would you know anything about that? The representative said, I'll talk to, to Brian and we'll figure it out. And then within an hour of him giving these two Twitter accounts, the other three were moved to private. <laughs> so he never mentioned these other three. He mentioned two. The other three were then made private. As he's checking Twitter to see, the writer sees, oh, this one went private. This one went private. This one went private. There's clearly something to this. If I never mention these three and there's been activity on all three within an hour of me mentioning it, they get back to the writer and say the one account is Brian's. He's never tweeted on it. And the other one they don't know anything about. So Sixers Twitter which has really been cultivated by Sam Hinkie in the process. <laughs> there are a legion of Sam Hinkie and process acolytes ah, who out the woodworks. are so devoted to the cause. The HPA. Yeah, they, <laughs> they were, like, I saw this during the last 15 minutes of SmackDown last night. I was refreshing Twitter nonstop until at least 2, 2.30 in the morning. And then as soon as I woke up, I was immediately back at it, seeing what's going on. So... Sixers Twitter, Process Twitter went at it. They came up, somebody had the idea to try to log into the accounts saying, I forgot my password. And it comes up with a phone number as every digit blocked out but the last two. And one of the Sixers beat writers confirmed that one of the accounts matched the last two digits of Brian Colangelo's phone number. 
So it was like, okay, they're him. But then they found out three of the accounts had a different phone number. So a kid by the name of Dave Legere, I think is how you would pronounce it. He was actually in my scouting class last summer. He goes by at Legsanity on Twitter. He apparently really investigated these tweets and came to the conclusion that, wait a minute, Brian Colangelo's wife is credited for helping get Mike D'Antoni the job in Phoenix when Brian Colangelo was there. I don't know if it had something to do with his, his wife is from Italy. He also figured, reading through the tweets, a lot of this looks like someone speaking broke, broken English, like someone who maybe is from another country. And then they came to find out that, I don't know, she did some type of work with some art school or something, and there was contact information from her, and the last two digits were 9-1. So it kind of has been pieced together. Wait a minute. Three of these are linked to Brian Colangelo's wife. So we have at least one that is definitely Brian Colangelo's. Three that seem to be linked to his wife. I'm of the belief that she was probably doing quite a bit of tweeting. I'm not so sure he wasn't involved in it too. But for the fact that Adam Silver inserted Jerry Colangelo into the Sixers organization because he thought Sam Hinkie was making a mockery of the franchise. And then when Hinkie gets pushed out, there's no hiring process. They just bring Jerry Colangelo's son in to be the GM. And he has made a mockery out of the organization in literally every situation that has come up. Whether it was the Nerlens Noel trade, the Jilly Locafor trade when he sat him out for three games and never traded him. Then he trades him for Trevor Booker and acts like that was a good trade. Or the Markel Fultz trade. Trevor Booker, who wasn't even on the team for the rest of the season. Right, he was there did for like he, six did weeks. He, did he even play? Anything? He did play, he but he was only game. there for six weeks. Yeah, because he ended up in Indiana. And this is infinitely more embarrassing than anything that happened during the Sam Hinkie regime. 47 and 199 was way less embarrassing than the Brian Colangelo burner account story. Like, literally, it's not even just basketball fans talking about it. It's national news. Everybody on Twitter and, yeah, national news is talking about this ridiculousness. Yeah, because I didn't know about the whole wife thing. That's that's new because all that, day on ESPN, that's all they were talking about. That started to build some momentum maybe around, like, 5 o'clock. Okay. And some people started to report it within, like, the last half hour. So that's relatively new. Now, I don't know for sure. I'm not going to act like I know for sure that's the case. But it seems like too many things have added up for it not to be the case. So even if he wasn't tweeting, clearly his wife was tweeting confidential information relevant to the team that she shouldn't have been. I don't know how he can still have a job come the end of business hours tomorrow. Now, you know, we kind of discussed it briefly. Does this bother you more than Ben Simmons' new love life? <laughs> I or, meant to send you that today. Same. same. I meant to send you that today. So I haven't gotten a chance to be too upset about that yet. I've been way too involved, preoccupied with my arch nemesis, Brian Colangelo, we, I mean, and got, his downfall. We, as a Sixers fan, we got a lot going on right now. We got um, Embiid yoking on little kids in the uh-huh. schoolyard. We have Simmons dating uh, and, um, a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Fultz doing cartwheels for a yeah. guy who has a bum shoulder. He mm-hmm. can't, to, can't find a jump shot. To, to Simmons' defense, it's a Jenner. <laughs> Even still, 
it, it turns my stomach. I know, but I'm there's, not. There's I'm no not sure if the discretion there. There's I'm no not. Sh- I'm not sure if the Jenner side has contaminated any NBA players. The Kardashian side has yes, because I'm sure there's something in that stuff. I keep. T- I keep telling you, it must be amazing because something's in that stuff. Because because they start. They're different men when they hit the court. But I'll leave the Jenners alone because they haven't had any, any ever had any negativity thrown their way in that part. Not yet, but I wish. <laughs> Our rookie of the year wasn't the one to be testing so, out this hypothesis. <laughs> testing those waters? I'd rather somebody else figure that out than our guy figuring that out. Well, the funny part about it is he dumped his girlfriend because he said she's, he, she, she was too Kardashian. Yeah. And then he ends up with someone in that family. Who is literally But she's, the, I think, related. Kendall's the more chill one out of all of them. She might be. I just, I don't love it. I, don't, I know. I, I wish it was not happening. Dog and Pony no matter what. Dog and Pony show's mm-hmm. going to come with it no matter what. Yeah. I just, I hope... I'm hoping by the time we finish recording this, it's right now about 20 of 10 on Wednesday night. I'm hoping by the time we have finished recording that Brian Colangelo is no longer affiliated with the Sixers. And I hope his his dad isn't either. I want a Colangelo-free organization. They never should have been here in the first place. I want a Colangelo cleansing. Yeah, I, I, will, I will have a follow-up companion <laughs> podcast to my process podcast from a couple weeks ago, getting into more specifics, maybe even a little bit of breakdown from the end of the season. So I will get to that soon enough. But uh, are we ready to move on to a little wrestling? Do we have to? We, we uh, do. A li- a, at least a little bit. Okay. Yeah, we do. We should touch upon it. First thing I want to bring up is, did anyone see John Cena's comments about the Velveteen Dream? Yes. It was actually basically a question we had on the podcast three or four yeah, weeks ago. I saw, I saw it. I was like, okay, Cena's listening. Did you see this or no? No, I did not. So a kid asked John Cena at some panel, I don't know what it was, uh, who do you, if you could have a match against any of these three people, Adam Cole, Ricochet, or the Velveteen Dream, who would you pick? And John Cena picked the Velveteen Dream, who was my choice for who would be the bigger star, the Velveteen Dream or Adam Cole. And he said, you know how in the Star Wars movies, the older Jedi gets a feeling about some rookie Jedi saying, I think this is the one. He said something about Velveteen, Velveteen Dream. I think this is the one. I think there's something very special something there. there. So it made me very happy to hear that, that the goat John Cena <laughs> had, had this to say about the Velveteen Dream. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on his answer to that question? I like, the, I like the comparison, so it makes me feel like, yeah, maybe the, there is definitely something there. It's going to kind of draw your attention to this guy um, as he moves up with, within the ranks, if you will. He's only, what, 22 or 23 mm-hmm. years old? He's got a long way to go. Yeah, I, I would love to see that match actually happen because with, with how Cena is and how the, how out there the Velveteen Dream is, his main version in the ring, I, I, like, just seeing, just seeing him tell... Tell Cena to say my name. I know that's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> I want to see. I want to hear him tell John Cena. To say his name. And, uh, the, sh- the shovel wouldn't give him that match, but this new su- this new John Cena definitely will. <laughs> and I, I need Cena's face on his tr- tights. I, w- I, would, oh, need, I, God. I would need all that because I'm all in. No pun intended. Cena on saluting that. on his tights. Yes, I need. I need, I, I need all of that because I would love. I would love to see that. But I'm glad you kind of brought that up too. I'm not sure if you saw it because this kind of just broke within the last hour or so, mm-hmm. too. Well, I'm not sure if you knew this already. There's something else. But Raw resigned for five years, $1.35 billion. So is that NBC official Universe. or is that what they're rumored? I'm not sure if it's sure? official, but that's that's what I read. 
and then a part of the whole Fox thing, NXT is coming to Fox. I'm not sure if you saw that. I did not see that. Yeah, so NXT in October 2019 will be coming to Fox, which can we we talked about last week how WWE they always say well. People like people watch NXT. Then they'll say, "Oh, well, they don't watch like NXT." Well, this is big for NXT that they actually get they can get on network clear network like a clear network television mm-hmm. show broadcast on ba- on basic television. That's, so that's a really big deal. Yeah. But the downfall of that is that goddamn Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Is he going to put his hand on this? Because I'm not sure if NXT is going to move out of full sale and go in front of live crowds. But um, they don't really have to do that if it's if it's still if it's still keyword still an hour show. They could just stay at full sale and just continue to do their continue to do their tapings. But what is Vince going to like? Vinceify NXT. I don't think so. I think that's uh, I think it's Triple H's prep project, and he won't he won't kind of allow him but, to manipulate it. But see, this is a, this is the reason I have a concern because. NXT's on the network, so that's a completely different thing than what they do on television. So I'm not sure if Vince is going to come in and say, okay, since this is on television, this isn't going to outshine my show because since it's on television. They're on the same network as SmackDown. NXT has to look just like all the other shows. It can't outdo Raw or SmackDown. So here, my thought on that would be, one, yeah, the, so the what I read about the possible NBC Universal deal to keep Raw on USA was, yeah, five five years, $265 million a year. So that means between their two shows, I believe they would be making $2.35 billion over five years. And I got something on to add on for, to that we're done. <laughs> un, for absolutely mediocre television. Yes, and then the, same, the funny thing was, there was an article came out yesterday that said Fox told Stephanie that NBC Universal was embarrassed by yeah. the product. Well, you just gave one point three five yeah. billion dollars for being embarrassed. Yeah, I did read that. That yeah, that that that's what uh, whoever it was from Fox said that that they're embarrassed of you. We won't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they gave them one point. Let's see. I think I had it written down somewhere. Maybe I did. Three five. One point three five million billion dollars for five years. Um, so they're making a ton of money. My feeling on mm-hmm. NXT, yes. My feeling with NXT is I don't think Vince will meddle with it until he realizes until he gets the feeling that it's overshadowing something. Yeah, and that but my thing is since it's on the same network as SmackDown, that won't take long. Because it's so much that the in-ring style is is, is two different things. Cuz like I said, I always say NXT is the wrestling show. And it does sports entertainment, but it's more easy sports entertainment. It's not that overbooking. It's not. It's not like. It's not like force fed. It's like the simple stuff. It's it's real simple compared to Raw and SmackDown. But they, NXT is the wrestling show. WWE is a sports. WWE Raw and SmackDown they're the sports entertainment show. So the wrestling may overshadow their sports entertainment, but they still do that in NXT. And the fact that the wrestling is going to overshadow Raw and SmackDown wrestling, what specifically SmackDown, that may have Vince step in. I don't think Vince will step in. You might see see a lot less of the developmental thing that they got going in NXT. You might see you might expect to see people a little more polished since they're gonna be on national television. You might see it in that sense. But we also talked about the SmackDown product itself possibly changing if they're going up to compete against um, their their Raw. I mean, they might they might have to change their product as well. Yeah, because NXT, I think you'll see it's a lot of change out of NXT too. Because I don't know if you guys saw, but older sh- and. 
people from the main roster, they've been going back to NXT as yeah. surprises for house shows, which I think it'd be really fun, especially to see on television. Yeah. But, but since NXT is going to be on television next year, I think that would be good. You could still do that with your guys now. They could just pop up with NXT since you want to make NXT. Because NXT is... As much as we say, as much as as much of it is quote unquote developmental, it's not really developmental anymore. It's still it's still like that that indie all star game that you talked yeah. about a, a long time ago. But it's still it's still it's still creating new superstars at that. But it's the thing, But they're also bringing in those big names from the from independent scene. But it, the guys from the main roster they couldn't come back down and still be on TV. I, I, I wonder how that's going to be. I mean, they've already started doing that, like you said. Yeah, on a live on a live event, but when it comes to TV, I think you can do that more on both. Yeah, I just think that Vince looks at NXT like only certain people watch it. So I think for the time being, he'll be cool with them doing what they do for that audience. If anything. I, I don't know. I don't expect anything to change for a while with NXT. I think they'll let them present it the way they want to present it. Yeah, at first, but when... Let, let, but I don't think it'll overshadow anything because I don't think enough people will watch it. On Fox? What? Yeah, I mean, it'll get it'll get decent ratings just because it's so available, but I think if you're expecting people to... If you're expecting a casual fan to watch Raw and SmackDown... I'm probably not even going to watch NXT on Fox just because I can't devote another hour of my time to it. I think a lot of people will just sit it out. So I think they'll get the diehard fans will tune into it. I think anything extra they get will be a bonus. But I I think that, I don't know, I I could be wrong. But I just see, I think they'll get decent ratings because it's on that network. But I just don't see them getting a huge audience. They're not going to get an audience that approaches the SmackDown audience. But is that is that really that much though? <laughs> you get, you kind of get what I'm saying, like two, what two million viewers or one point five? That's not that much. And then we talked you talked about um, Fox's average SmackDown's advertising how's it gonna be on Fox? It's gonna be it's gonna be on Fox NFL Sunday and stuff with that kind of pr- pr- promotion. NXT could probably get that same kind of promotion. And a lot of people they hardly even show NXT highlights on WWE programming. Yeah. So on Fox. On Fox programming, Fox NFL Sunday, um, throughout the week, it, it possibly may get them maybe close to a million viewers. And with the state of how it, how WWE is now, but the, the, like I said the ratings don't matter. Yeah, that's not what the ratings they get for if they get for ratings for NXT. It probably won't be too much far off of what they got for SmackDown. Yeah, I'm expecting SmackDown on Fox to probably approach three million on average, because I think. Typically, three-ish million are watching Raw every week on USA. I'd assume SmackDown will probably get equivalent, maybe even a little higher ratings than Raw, just based on what network they're on. Network time slot. Yeah, I think I think NXT. Well, I guess part of it is, is it going to be on Wednesday nights at eight o'clock? Like, do we have any idea? Um, I didn't. See we don't day. know anything about scheduling for NXT. I didn't see a day. Because that could be something too. What if it's like Saturday afternoon? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have no idea. I think a good goal for them is to get to a million viewers. I think they could do that. But, like, how many how many viewers is TNA typically getting? About they're less than a million, right? Yeah, they're around, like, 500,000. Maybe less. Because, believe it or not, I believe Total Bellas and Total Divas outdraw the TNA. 
I'm sure they I'm do. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm sure that they well, do. I'm one of those. Like, like, like I said, Total Divas and Bells, excellent story. Excellent writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to give Ms. TV a chance? I am. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder. I'm Ms. and Mrs. I still Ms. think WWE needs to hire whoever's writing the NBA. <laughs> because this Brian Colangelo thing ha- has been a better angle than anything WWE Compelling has done stuff. since... Jericho and Owens. <laughs> I don't think WWE has done anything that competes with this Brian Colangelo story. The Markel Fultz saga all season. The Kawhi Leonard saga all season. You have, you're basically uh, LeBron as Roman Reigns <laughs> going up for the fourth year in a row in the main event <laughs> against the Golden State Warriors and he loses every year. He's won once. Uh, I, I feel like they... The NBA has done a better job with their writing than WWE has done. Vince Russo always says him and Ed Ferrara used to write Raw as if they were a, a viewer with the remote control in their hand, and they wanted to write a show that would keep you from changing the channel. And they didn't do anything on Monday that kept me away from watching Golden State in Houston. <laughs> I was ten times more invested in that. I didn't care at all about Raw. Um, yeah, I told you I was watching Breaking Bad, and I turned I turned roll on by accident. I'm like, oh god! <laughs> what, what did I do this for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the last thing to get back to John Cena, uh, I have a hernia surgery scheduled for June 15th. I may need to reach out to John Cena to figure out how to get back lightning quick, <laughs> because nobody recovers faster than John Cena, and I think I need to know how to do that for myself. Like, maybe should I tease that I won't be here for that Wednesday, the Money in the Bank review show, and then just show up, like, Cena at the Rumble? Oh, we'll yes. We'll hear your theme, yes. theme song play you in, and yeah. we'll all be shocked. Yeah, I just come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, so I need to find that out. Enzo Amore, have you seen his rap video? I refuse to, but I was correct when I did say that last week. You were. I, I want to see the hot mess that, that, that's out there. I watched about a minute of it. Um, <laughs> that's all, just you, can, that's out all you can muster? Morbid curiosity. He still got your view. I think I just wanted to see because I definitely can go overboard. And I knew there was a time when I found him creative and entertaining. So I was like, maybe he got away for a little bit. Let me see what this is. It is horrible. <laughs> oh my God. It's terrible. It is embarrassing. I felt secondhand embarrassment for him. And honestly, I don't care if he did whatever that girl accused him of doing or not. He deserves to be punished just for being awful. I, I, like, I don't care what he did or didn't do. He's terrible. Is that much the stomach? Yeah, it's, it's awful. If, if, you're, if you're also morbidly curious, Could that be why you, for you, it. your hernia started hurting May- immensely over the weekend? Maybe. You, you attempted to watch this video? Maybe. because it, it, Your body just rebelled? I really strained. To get through one minute of it is horrible. Um, did you guys see that Hulk Hogan on Twitter confused Bam Margera with Ryan Dunn? Yes. <laughs> he posted a picture of himself with Bam Margera saying, Bam, you know, miss you, buddy. Like, the, <laughs> the world isn't the same without you or whatever. And then he had to tweet later, oh, my mistake. I mixed up you lot. and Ryan. To me... That proves what a phony Hulk Hogan is. I don't know if you remember me saying how phony he was during the Andre the Giant documentary. Mm-hmm. This proves what a phony he is. He didn't even know that the guy was alive. <laughs> so there's that. Um, as far as Raw, 
Oh, one more thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We'll get the raw eventually, guys. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the advertised content soon. Mm-hmm. But back to that whole TV deal stuff, how much you said they're making annually? They're 2. making 205 on SmackDown. They're making 265 on Raw. Okay, so with that being said, there was also a report going out that WWE could offer the Bullet Club record-setting deals. I, I believe they said Kenny Omega and Cody and the Bucks around $10 million each. Because they're saying the Young Bucks haven't really commented or ruled out ever signing with WWE when the contracts expire. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Japan contracts are every year, are yearly. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. But what do you think about that? Because my thing is, Hila, it's like, here we go again. Like, everybody says money talks, which which it, which it kind of does. It, it does. It, it does. But some people... Everybody has a price. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one man, one man wisely said. Yeah, but for I don't think Cody would go back because of what he knows WWE is. But if any other guys want to go, to because that that might be a goal one day to one day actually go there. But like I said, that's getting more money than they. That's those guys make a lot of money, but that's like wow. You got kind of, kind of got to take a second to actually sit down and stuff and actually think about it, but. <clears throat> It's like billionaire Ted <laughs> back in the nineties. The wrestling just, business, just getting guys to go to that company just because of the paycheck. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of glad you said that because now it's like they'll throw them all that money, but it's just to kind of get them out their hair because because like they're on WWE's radar with this whole all in thing. But would they really be happy there? Like, I, like a lot of people like the whole CM Punk thing. Like I talked about last week about he was making all this money, but he wasn't happy, so he took his ball and went home. Does that does that how much does that much money mean that much to those guys to actually stop being happy and doing and just getting paid to doing something that they might not like down the road? So my feeling is I hope that doesn't happen because I don't like I don't like that WWE is just trying to sign up everybody that matters just so it's like okay you're not taking any eyes off of us. You're not putting eyes on any other product. We we're getting everybody. I don't want to see them do that. Especially because there's no way you can possibly use all of these people. Like there's just no way to do not it. There's not enough time. No. And the the one thing that I think is like gives me a little bit of hope is these guys do know Cody. And Cody can tell them his experience. These guys know Gallows and Anderson. Do you think they're reporting great things about being in WWE? <laughs> Do you think even Finn Balor is reporting great I, things? I, maybe that's why the Gallows and Anderson are starting to get a mini push. Yeah. I mean, Balor has had success there. Has he really, though? Well, he's had success in that. NXT. He's had success in that they do, when he, when he comes out, he's presented as he's a big deal. They don't treat him like he's a big deal the way he's booked, but they act like he's important when he comes out. Um, And people know who he is. I'm sure he's selling a lot of merchandise. I don't know what kind of money he makes on it. No, he has not reached the heights on the main roster that he did in NXT. But even him, I can't imagine that, you know, when he goes to bed at night, he's happy with what he's doing in WWE. And I think, like, that might be enough. And I think these guys might think we're better than that. I believe a guy like Kenny Omega believes I'm too good mm-hmm. to waste my time there. Yeah. 
Cody, obviously, I don't think will go back until he's a little older, if he ever goes back. Yeah, maybe to finish his career out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see... And the other thing I think... I don't see how any of these guys who are at a high level outside of WWE... I don't see how that can be a goal anymore, because... Yeah. I like I don't look at that through the eyes of those guys as oh that's what I got to go do yeah because it doesn't look appealing yeah and we know more about the working conditions about the creative process there where I can't see those guys who they view this as some some of the older wrestlers make fun of them for treating it like this is my craft quote unquote I think they take it seriously enough that they don't want to waste their time there so now maybe there is a deal. You know, maybe everybody does have a price, and maybe they could offer them enough to just say, oh, well, I'll just go ahead and do it. But I'd really be surprised if those guys went there. I think they're having too much fun, and they're way too successful for WWE to be able to sway them with money. Yeah, because they, they're with the number one selling shirt and Hot Topic and probably on Pro Wrestling Tees, and they get their merch money. for the, They get their merch money for the most part. And then I could just, let's say, let's say let's assume that the Bucks do go, for example. I I don't, I don't know really know much about Kenny like that, but let's let's, let's assume the Bucks go. Look how th- just think about mm-hmm. how watered down they would actually be, and how how all the fun would get sucked out of them on Raw or SmackDown because it because of how WWE is and how serious and strict they are. Within three weeks, they'd be just another tag team. Yeah, they'll <laughs> just have a cool entrance and cool jackets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you see that? Do you see a lot of these guys from? New Japan or just Bullet Club, Bullet Club guys I mean, specifically going to WWE? The only the only opportunity would probably be the Young Bucks, but I don't see they don't have enough of a tag team division developed now for them to even be attracted to that. I mean, again, money talks, BS walks, but mm-hmm. from right now, no, I don't see that happening. We'll get to the tag team division. <laughs> to quote you from a few minutes ago, do we have to? I got something. To say. <laughs> there's there's some things. Yeah, it's not all bad. I mean, the B Squad did it for me again. We'll get to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what were your highlights from Raw? I thought Sasha and, and um, Ruby Riot in the final end of the Gauntlet match, I thought that was good. The match itself wasn't, but yeah, I thought their segment Yeah, I was. thought theirs was good. I, I enjoyed Finn and Braun. I really did. I thought that was fun. Kevin Owens on commentary, fantastic. I thought that was great. And there was something in the B team segment that was that was culpable <laughs> that mm-hmm. I did like, culpable. Mm. <laughs> but not much. I, 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 am I missing anything? So I had an issue with why is Braun getting a DQ over Balor when it's set up like he's about to lose. I didn't think that that was necessary. Um, if anything, I felt like the interference should have been against Braun. But, yeah, the the only – you didn't miss anything that I had in my notes. Okay. Well, Seth Rollins always yeah. is a blast to watch. The only other thing I had, not to say – Oh, I'm whole, sorry. Elias. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good. The only other thing I had is Sami Zayn is a damn legend. <laughs> I forgot this, about that. The segment wasn't necessarily good. It wasn't bad either. But kind of rebounded him, a little more from last week. Him dancing down to the ring so confidently <laughs> after what happened last week, I thought was unbelievable. Giving us a well-needed apology. I, when my finger go, when my thumb goes to a button on my remote when I'm watching Raw, <laughs> it is always reaching for the fast-forward button. 
I rewound that and watched his entrance at least seven times. Because all I could think is how bad that segment was last week. And for him to come out there so overly confident after that, I thought was incredible. Um, Anytime he goes for the reading glasses, I love it. And, my God, Bobby Lashley... I don't. I can't just blame him, but he's terrible. <laughs> he really is awful. Uh, Should have an impact. And Raw as a whole is worse than Bobby Lashley is because I, I blame Raw creative more so than just him. But and the crowd couldn't have cared any less. Yeah, they do not care about him at all. Uh, also, I have to give. They didn't Sam- give him anything to do. Also, no. I have to give Sammy props for selling Lashley's hand squeeze. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. It was. Um, I just think he's that character is just so good. It's so funny. <laughs> I I cannot get enough of it. I kind of want to watch him his entrance again right now. <laughs> it, I laughed so hard. Just so I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's just because it's so different from what you think he really is in real life. We know they all say how annoying he is or whatever, but it's because he's so overly nice and so overly positive and overly talkative. And he's just such, like, a dickhead. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah, I can't tell you. I have at least five of his entrance gifts with Owens in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> just ready to send to y'all at any time. Yeah, excellent. Joseph, what did you like about... Uh, I mean, there was a couple things. Like I said, this, this... About the Memorial Day barbecue. It wasn't like a blowout, but I mean, a couple things that were more interesting from previous roles. Like, again, I, I did like the Braun um, leading with Finn Balor. I thought it was a pretty pretty interesting match. I mean, the ending left something to be desired, but it was pretty good. Um, KO doing some fine work on, on the um, announce table kind of kept you in the, in the match. Um, again, Rollins, and then you had... Um, the modern day Maharaja. I don't know. I find him more more palatable now that he's on Raw. Maybe because he's not. Maybe he's not being forced out of throat with the, ti- the with the championship title, or maybe he just is what it is. I mean, he's good for what he's doing out there now. He's in the role he's supposed. Yeah, to Yeah, he's be. in the role he's supposed to be. He's kind of just a, a quality heel jobber almost. It's like how Andre Iguodala was miscast yeah. as the top guy on the Sixers, but he won a Finals yeah. MVP. You don't want to see this guy with your title, but you don't mind seeing him out there in this role. Yeah, but Iguodala um, won a finals MVP as the fourth best player on Golden State. It, it's the role he's supposed to be in. It's a quality role, and I like how the segment ended. You had the the, the guitar shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably the only one, I guess, c- coming from your guys' comments. I did enjoy the way they're continuing to push the Ronda Rousey-Nia Jax match. I thought the things that they're doing are making me interested to see how this match is going to go. Could be a car wreck, but I'm kind of <laughs> engaged to see what's going to happen on that. Um, eh, the gauntlet match, okay. Uh, again, I just like the B se- the B team segments. Again, are, are kind of interesting to me. They, <laughs> they make me laugh that they're doing something semi se- semi palatable with this team. Yeah, the unfortunate part I think with the Ron and I thing is neither one of them is good enough at talking. Yeah, and I, I think they didn't go overboard. I mean, again, it was a lot of gestures from around it at this time. She didn't have a lot of mic work. Nia was a little better. Maybe we're getting improvement. We'll start seeing her getting over that 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 hump. But it, it it was acceptable. I guess where where I'm at now. Yeah, I mean I'm cool with it. I'm anxious to see them actually have a match. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Nia and Ronda? I enjoyed it. Like even Nia's entrance, she was all happy, and then her music had her eyes just rolled into the back of her head. Yeah. I thought that, I thought the whole thing was like executed perfectly. Even Nia grabbing the mic before the before her match with the 
enhancement talent yeah. <laughs> saying, what's your finish again? An arm bar? <laughs> Put an arm bar on me. And she just lifted her up like it was nothing. Says, See? Arm bar. Yeah. Got out of it. So I thought I thought that kind of that kind of sold that Nia, even though we know so it's a work. Mm-hmm. But we know we kind of know that, okay, Nia can break out the arm bar now, so what should do at the Ronda? So. I like how they were staring at her. He's like, oh, there's that look. Yeah. Not scared. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it. I do think it'll be... I think it has the potential to be a fun match. I wonder what Ronda looks like when she's got to be in the ring the whole time. There's still a lot of unknowns going into this. That's that's kind of the part I was saying that could be a train wreck because there's so much unknown in here. She definitely benefited at WrestleMania from not having to carry the match. She kind of got the high spots of the match. I don't know. I don't know what to expect of her. I, how long do you think this match goes? Seven minutes? I, I don't know because Ronda worked some of the European tour. So I'm not sure because she also she hasn't wrestled since wrestled mm-hmm. wrestled on television since WrestleMania. So you have to assume that she's been in the ring training for this. But I, I don't know. But this match really shouldn't shouldn't be that long. Maybe get may, maybe not get Nia get her offense in and get Ronda her badass comeback and she'll lock in an armbar. But like I said last week, I kind of think Stephanie may insert herself and makes her make herself the referee. To to like put to have Ronda actually lose because that's kind of good storytelling. I think they're gonna do something like along those lines to keep. We it. have two weeks for them yeah. to do it. Yeah, so we have there's two- plenty of time for her to insert herself in this. Yeah, so that's that's what I think should happen. But that's that's all. That's having Stephanie involved is also a quick, a easy and quick way to go home for that match. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. What did what did you say you liked about the the food fight? Just not, was funny to you? No, nah, yeah. I did, the barbecue bash was kind of... I just like the interaction with Angle and the B-team. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're going to have a typical food fight some of these holiday shows. It is what it is at that point. Kind of kind of came to expect it. Are these guys basically the, like, this next couple weeks version of Golden Truth and Brazongo? Essentially. Where people kind of get behind them and then nothing happens with them anyway? I think they're, I think they're the comedy act, but similar to like Brazongo. Was but the thing with my the thing with my my problem with this whole segment was I, I'm all for comedy. You guys don't know that, but but the report when they said they came out a couple weeks ago saying that they're they're not high on a tag team division, and you can clearly tell. Oh yeah, there's and, no and then that no whole quality book in the tag team. And either. that whole segment just pissed me off. I'm like, God, you turn all these guys into jokes. I, I I'm all for fine stuff, but that was just embarrassing for those guys to do like. We knew the revival. When the revival get caught up last year, we were, we were high on the revival, but they both got hurt. Different. Each one of them got hurt at different times. Right. So you know how Vince is. Okay, well, I can't trust you, so I'm not going to do anything you with you. Your own momentum. Yeah, and the B team, we know that's out of parody because from from the, from their split with the Miz, we know we know uh, Titus Worldwide. They're fun. The Ascensions, whatever. Brasangos, whatever. AOP wasn't out there. Isn't there a match set up to determine the one contenders next week? Yeah. I, I assume AOP. Because they weren't out there, maybe they're maybe they'll actually get into that and be the more serious team mm-hmm. in that and actually win it. But I just thought that was just embarrassing for those things to go with, especially with that report coming out saying they're so low and don't care about the tag team vision. Because you just do all your tag team up there for that segment, and it wasn't even good. The only redeemable thing, as the resident black guy, I I loved <laughs> that Titus said this food doesn't even have any seasoning. <laughs> you can and, relate to that. Yeah, and why not <laughs> eating the the bologna sandwiches? <laughs> 
Yeah, it wasn't all bad. But Raw, it was the second lowest rated Raw ever, I think. Ever? I think. The only one rated lower was a 2016. I forget what it went up against. It was like two things it went up against. Now, granted, it went up against a Game 7 yeah, of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, Game 7 and a Game 1. Oh, I forgot about hockey. Oh, I forget hockey even exists. Well, guess what? I'm here to remind you. That's what us white boys do. I was going to say, as the resident white guy, <laughs> as the resident white guy, you're going to talk about hockey now. <laughs> you go ask that pub, gay. Yeah, I am hoping that uh, Vegas wins. I love the idea of a team in their first year in the league winning the whole Yeah, team. I heard that. I was shot. I was like, oh, that's a thing? Yeah, they put together a bunch of scrappers in first really? year in the league. And so they had like the... Um, with the expansion draft and everything? Yeah. yeah, they do it. Oh. Like, every team's got to make a couple players available. Yeah, I know what it is, but I'm just shocked they're going into the Stanley Cup Finals. See, I do I know. know what it's called. And they're up 1-0, right? Yeah. Is Gordon Bombay still coaching? <laughs> no, he retired. <laughs> okay. He had a whole scandal. He, had he retired down. to, he had to, to his home in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> it was a scandal. He had to step down. It wasn't good. Yeah, but Raw, I thought, was terrible. Um they're literally giving me no real reason to tune in other than the fact that I want to have seen some of it at least before I come on and do this yeah, show. Yeah, I got two things to talk mm-hmm. about about Raw. I said I, I enjoyed Elias because he's done with Bobby Roode, thank, thank God, because that, that wasn't going anywhere. It was, it was pointless. It meant nothing. But that segment that he had was fantastic. He's great. <laughs> the unfortunate part is they think it's good enough. For him to just go out there just and sit do on that the stool, all the time. and that's all he has to do. Yeah, but see, it's worked for so long, and now he's actually getting his first opportunity at goal. Like, I thought that Rollins coming out and interrupting him, I thought that was great. And the fact that Elias was, when the, the show, when the, he was out there in the show in the commercial, he was still in the ring yeah. trying to play a song. You guys got to hear this song. Like, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and the fact that he actually doing something important, he's going to make us the hottest guy in the company. I'm looking forward to it. Me too, and I think they can have good matches. I don't believe they're going to have Elias take the Intercontinental title from him, but I am excited to see him get to do more. And because a lot of times I feel like we don't talk about him because all he has is his segment where he sings his song and nothing else. Well, the last, we haven't really talked about him since WrestleMania, but that's because he was dealing with Bobby Roode. Mm -hmm. And we saw that for, I think, three out of four weeks since WrestleMania at one point. And nobody cares about Bobby Roode in the show anyway. I still think they should have done the double turn <laughs> with those two. Yeah, Bobby Roode should have been a heel since he came came up. He was people were just too over on his entrance music. That's probably the only reason he hasn't been. I or guess. Vin, or Vince thinks he's Hunter. Yeah, yeah, may, that could be it too. <laughs> um, what else did you have from Raw? We are the official podcast of Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. But how? refreshing was it to not see him and not see a forceful segment trying to get him cheers yeah i didn't even realize i didn't see roman reign on the show exactly yeah it's it says a lot mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because he is very good and he's very capable but it, it just if all you're going to do is have him go out and get booed every week cut a promo get booed have a match against the heel, get booed. Um, he's somebody. I mentioned last week the idea of what if you gave people time off. He may be the perfect example of somebody who could use a couple weeks off. 
just get him away, kind of get the crowd to settle down about him, although I don't know if they'll ever settle down about him. They might have burned that bridge permanently. Yeah, I read somebody on Twitter today, you know, everybody does these things like unpopular NBA opinion or this was unpopular wrestling opinion. And somebody's was, they should have just had Roman win clean at WrestleMania 31 and just dealt with the booze then because it probably wouldn't be as bad now. And it's probably true. They've done like the the stop start with him all this time and people are just sick of it. Now he's stuck in a holding pad. Yeah, because I never thought he needed to be a heel. I thought it was always some people love him, some people hate him, similar to Cena. But it, and I know people do love him. It just doesn't feel like they do. No, it doesn't feel that way at all. At least with Cena, you knew there are people out there. I I see them cheering for him. I hear them cheering for him. You don't see that. It took John Cena a while to get there too, to that that portion where Roman Reigns seemed like he automatically entered into that. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think Roman will be involved in when he comes back? Still well, he's still, yeah, he's still. Oh, he, he has the match of money, money in the bank. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. Because people, I don't even think because gender is not even enough to get him cheered. I don't. I don't really don't know what they could do to get him cheered at this point. I don't know that you can. No. The only thing you could do is make him a heel, and he'll immediately probably get cheered. Yeah. And then. We may have to then become the official podcast of somebody else <laughs> when he gets over with everybody. But, yeah, I thought it was good that he was not on the show. I think it was probably needed. Um, SmackDown, we had the build main event, Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe. Which I was kind of like, I, didn't, I had to stay up to watch this. Mm-hmm. Going into it, I was like, I couldn't miss this match. But that wasn't what we got. Nah. We got a triple threat with Big Cass inserted. I'm happy to see that Cass is still kind of in an elevated spot because I thought he was whatever. He got in some dead. trouble. He got injured. I thought, I thought he was at the end of his Yeah, I thought, I thought this was it. Like, he, that's done. I'm glad he came out in the suit again. I was glad that he got involved. And I, I did think the match was really good. Yeah. And I was thrilled with how it ended. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe they missed an opportunity with Daniel Bryan's story being that he is like a weakened version of himself now? Well, they I feel like we didn't really get that. Well, we didn't really get any story with Daniel Bryan since he came back from WrestleMania because he had the thing with Big Cass, but he beat Cass in a nothing in a match that was nothing. And ever since then, we've been like on this build towards Money in the Bank. So he lost his Money in the Bank match qualifier, and now he had the second chance match. So that's been his story for the last month of all of May, basically. So he hasn't really had any story, and you know they're keeping him away from the Miz on purpose because that's like a, a money match probably at yeah, SummerSlam. When they have mm-hmm. to. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably see shades of that going to SummerSlam where the Miz wins Money in the Bank. Or not, you'll see. Or Brian wins, and let's yeah, Miz cashes in. Brian wins title. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll make something of those two happen. But we're basically in a holding pattern that I hate because you're sacrificing your television just to get to something in August mm-hmm. or September, whenever the hell you're gonna do it. Not to mention, you don't even need to sell it. You don't. It's, it, it's on the network. People don't need to order a pay per view anymore. I know, but and, and at the same time, like we everybody was so we did uh, almost forty five minutes of Daniel Bryan coverage on one episode, and he's doing nothing. 
I forgot he was even still wrestling because it's not, it's not, it's not important. He's not doing anything. I mean, he's always good because he wants you to get, he kind of gets you involved and you want to see the match. I mean, he was awesome to watch in this match. Mylon um, Greif would be the end, not the total ending. But like you said, you like the ending. I've been clamoring for how long to get the one, two, three arm drop. Yep. They drop it once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They drop it once and it's done. Well, that's. When did they change that? Uh, a couple years ago. Damn it. I feel like it changed. I thought I was going to get it. I was excited. I, 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 I literally popped. I was like, oh, he's going to do two. And maybe he could have been down after three, but they did the one arm. I first noticed it in NXT. I think it was when Samoa Joe started doing the Coquina Clutch. And it was always just, I think because they wanted to present the realism of MMA, yep. where if that you go sense. unconscious, it's over in a UFC fight or an MMA fight. Because it like happened with... Right, but I think that's what they wanted to do because it happened with Finn, it happened with Bailey against Asuka, and I want to say there was one other match where somebody went out, and then that just became like I need them to the bring standard. It, <laughs> it just became the standard where once you're out, you're out. Bring it, bring back my three count. Yeah, I I knew that that's the way it was going to go because that's what they've been doing. But well, I thought maybe with Daniel Bryan, I mean, you play him as the ultimate underdog. This is an opportunity for you to kind of play that up. Ultimately, he probably loses. Maybe gets choked out, but you still have him kind of kind of rallying as much as he can. Yeah, I was happy that Joe won. I expected Joe to win. Um, There's no way I expected big, big ass to win. Yeah, and can I just say that during the Matt Madness era, which is now how many months? Twenty four. We're in what the sixth, or almost into the sixth month. We're like thirty months into the Matt Madness era. Outside of Jericho, Joe is my favorite promo. <laughs> I love every time Joe talks. I get so invested in it every time he talks. The only person I wanted to hear talk more than Samoa Joe was Chris Jericho and nobody else. Am I overrating Samoa Joe's no. promo? No, not even, <laughs> not, not, not even by a long shot. I think he's excellent. I really did enjoy the match. And Joe is on my short list of guys I want to see win the Money in the Bank match. Basically down to him and the Miz, and that's it. I don't think I'd be happy with anybody else. I enjoyed the whole opening segment. I mean, he came out, kind of hoisted up the, the the Money in the Bank briefcase, was saying he's pretty much going to win it. And you have Dan O'Brien come out, cast limping out. I, th- I thought it all played out nicely the way they had it. Mm-hmm. And again, you get the kind of promo later that he cut. Um, good work. Also, I really love Paige as the GM. Yes. And... Part of it is I like that she's not necessarily like Roman, to quote Roman Reigns. She's not a good guy, GM. She's not a bad guy, GM. She's just doing the job of GM. And she's not in the office. Right. And, you know, she, the the segment she had with Miz, whatever it was, last week or the week before, Mm -hmm. and she put him in that uncomfortable spot. She had to make the decision of the triple threat match, which I thought was a good segment for her. Her segment with... Charlotte and Becky, I thought was great. With the T. Yeah, when she she mentioned the team PCB mm-hmm. and she did do the T thing and <laughs> remember they was su- the su- called the submission sorority. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> How, How was that? What, what, <clears throat> it was a por- it was a, something with porn. Yeah. I, I, know, like, what did, I remember tied into something. Now I'm trying to. Figure out what <laughs> it was exactly so- it was something with porn. Yeah, it, that was like the first week, and they realized, yeah. no, we can't do that. Yeah, and they changed it to Team PCB. I like that she kind of got in between the two of them, and it's not catty either. The Her segment with 
well, they're not Absolution anymore, but her segment with Mandy and Sonya, where she's kind of still trolling them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I think she's been excellent, and I think she's she's played this role better than I think anyone else has since they brought the. Oh yeah, in. definitely. And it's something that's underrated, like that old in the first after the opening segment where she saw Mandy Rose and Sonya there was something that I did like she she was walking with purpose and then she made Renee try to stop her and talk with her and then she like come on Renee walk with me yeah I I like that (laughs) yeah like I'm too busy yeah yeah, she's like she's doing something (laughs) yeah I liked it Joseph are you happy with this I'm very happy. I, I got to use my um, my page mug, and I have to I have to carefully place it to kind of disguise anything that might throw some unwanted attention my way as I'm watching her segments. How is she looking, Ron? She's good. looking really good. Good. She's shining. Yeah, um, I'm very happy. You know, I told you I had high hopes for it when they put her in this spot and i think she's really been been great and she's getting more tv time than she probably would have if she was still uh, on the roster Looking yeah at the women's division the way it is right now i think i think her ability to talk might have been underrated all this time yeah because she seems super comfortable and super confident yeah and yeah we've had mick foley we've had daniel bryan we've had kurt angle and she's better than the, all three of them yeah and i don't think it's even close yeah because Paige, she has a ton of personality because mm-hmm. I, 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 um, anytime she's on somebody's talk show, I'll always listen to it. Like out of women, it's her and Renee. I will always listen to because they're they're just hysterical together. Yeah, Renee, Renee, Renee Young. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's really funny, and, they have, and like they have really per, real personality. Yeah, I, I'm really happy that it has worked out as well as it has, and I hope that it, it continues to. Um, the six man tag with. The Miz and the Bar against the New Day. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was a really fun match. Really good match. I loved the locker room segment with the Miz having his headband and pulled over his eyes and then pancakes. throwing the pancakes. He's training. Out. Yeah. After last week when he was uh, yeah. accosted <laughs> by pancakes. Yeah, I thought they matched. I thought they meshed their entrances well together mm-hmm. with the bar. They point at each other and the yeah. Miz comes in and he did yeah. the bar thing. <laughs> it was a really good match too. I mean, like from start to finish, I was, I was. On the edge of my seat. Yeah, was this another week where The Miz was in the match of the week? Of course. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's becoming a, a regular thing now. As it should be. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're hammering in this who's going to rest, who's going to be in Money in the Bank match with, within the new day because all three guys on commentary said, oh, I heard it was Big E. Oh, I heard mm-hmm. it was Woods. I heard it was Kofi. And Graves had a line. He says, your source is reliable as you work in a house show. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, funny. But they're really, like, hammering down, like... You're not going to know who. You're not going to know who. And right. it, it could potentially be a problem. But with that, I think that might actually be the winner, whoever is in that Money in the Bank money in the bank match from the New Day. I think it may end up being Big Well, the rumor I told you last week was Big E. Mm-hmm. I think Big E may be the one because this is like a real story within the whole Money in the Bank match because they're still not telling you who who's going to be in it. And it's two weeks. It's only two shows left. Yeah. Do you mean he may be the one who is in the match or the one who is going to both. win Both. Yeah, both. I forgot. That's the other guy that's on my show. So three guys I'd yeah. be happy with. I forgot about Big E. I would love to see Biggie win it. He deserves it. We talked about it at length last week. Um, it was the lead for our uh, podcast last week. Yeah, we talked about that probably almost as much as we talked about Fox. <laughs> um, anything else from SmackDown? 
I thought SmackDown was way better than Raw. It was. They had some good segments. The dance-off. Um, did anybody enjoy the dance-off? I kind of did. <laughs> I was cringing at first, but I kind of did enjoy it. <laughs> I think Naomi was holding back. Yeah. <laughs> Lana, she didn't want to completely trounce Lana. Yeah. Lana, Lana kind of impressed me, though. Because they, 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 they both, they're both professional, but I did, I love how Graves hated Naomi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Saxon said she was well. She used to be a backup dancer for Floor Rider. That's yeah. exactly what she should have been in the back. She can't dance. For the Orlando Magic. <laughs> I had bigger hopes for Shinsuke versus Ty. It wasn't really bad, but I mean, like I, I thought they could have done more with it. Yeah, I liked AJ's promo. AJ's promo was really good. Yeah. It was refreshing not seeing him and Nakamura face to face too. Yeah. Either. And I liked. I feel like when. AJ first got there, and he's talked about this before, that when he first talked to Vince, Vince had this idea of, you know, you're this scrappy bulldog that can overcome anything. And obviously that was his character at the beginning, but then he became a heel, and it ki- they kind of went away from it a little bit. I feel like they're getting back to the, to that finally now because they're building up Nakamura as being more ferocious and more intimidating, and it's something for AJ yeah, to have to overcome. Striking his his ability to kind of knock you out in, in in a second. Yeah. What what are what are our hopes for their next match? Do we expect it to be better than what we've seen up to this point, or basically more of the same? More the same. It's hard to say because I I've I've been kind of hammering down that I expect to see more, and I haven't gotten it. So to say it again, I'd just be repeating myself. <laughs> Damn if I get caught in that that circle again. But um, right, it can't be worse. No, well, I don't think it's going to be worse. I'm I'm curious how they pull off a last man standing because this is not the Attitude Era anymore. So I think <laughs> it's harder to get that type of match over. Um, but they have Extreme Rules the next month. Ah, uh, that should have been cut. Yeah, you don't need Extreme Rules when you can't do anything that's extreme. And I'm not saying I need to see guys. Jumping off stuff or getting hit over the head with stuff. I don't need that, but don't sell it when you can't actually do it. Yeah. It's just stupid. Yeah, because when Extreme Rules got brought back before, every match had a stipulation. I was quoted as a like, table match, ladder, ladder match, etc. You only get an Extreme Rules match and maybe one other gimmick match, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, unnecessary and silly. Um, ready for listener questions? Yes. All right, what do we got? We have a question from the Godfather of the podcast, Joe Lafferty. Okay. All right. If Vince had a fake Twitter account, what type of tweets would he produce for Money in the Bank? Mine is, tune in next Sunday to watch the big dog Roman Reigns take on the modern-day Maharaja Mm. in a WrestleMania-level main event. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I think mine would also be Roman Reigns. Would you look at that? <laughs> the most polarizing superstar in the industry today. The big dog. I, I, like That's basically, I, it would just be all him pumping up Roman Reigns. I feel like that's kind of just what he would do. Joseph, anything you think Vince would tweet from a Brian Colangelo-esque burner account? <laughs> Colangelo, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, I, he might even pump up the. He might actually start burner accounts, not even specifically for Money in the Bank, just to talk up the creative team. 
I I really Jeez. wouldn't be shocked if he has them already because you know how WWE they have those um the Twitter um ticker at the bottom. I really wouldn't be shocked if a lot of those events. Roman Reigns with the spear, <laughs> what a maneuver! Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> what <but>. a maneuver! <laughs> hey, you haven't heard that one in a while, no. I'm sure. <laughs> well, as you guys know, um, I took this question to the extreme, <laughs> so, so I have a lot of things Vin, I think Vince would say. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All in. What's what's this all in crap? (laughs) I I got an XFL kickoff coming. What the hell is this about? (laughs) Monday Night Rollins. Who does God think he is? The big boss man will kick Rollins' ass. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never get enough of the big boss man thing. The guy who you knew was going to get his ass kicked without a doubt. (laughs) Look at my heart. The big dog, Roman Reigns. <laughs> my heart. <laughs> Did you get that from an old Facebook comment we had yes, back in the day? I'll never forget that. <laughs> I'll never forget that. My <laughs> heart, Roman. <laughs> I, will never for- I will never forget that. What you else know, was Vince How long have you been waiting to tie that in? A long time. Monday Anytime Night Rollins. Uh, Monday Night Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> Monday Night Roman. <laughs> Oh God, I love Vince. Um, I'm trying to think best. of some. I, I had more, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, go back. To I, couldn't think of it. <laughs> I couldn't think of any. I was, I, was um, I drew a blank. Because yeah, there's, there's many things Vince would say. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Oh God, I just I just have it on the top of my head. Oh my God. Oh no, no. Shut up, my Roman's talking. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other one. You son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. We got a question from Don Lola Lloyd, no relation. Who are your top five wrestlers outside of WWE? I don't even know. <laughs> so I can't answer. I don't. Uh, are there are there wrestlers outside of WWE? Well, I mean, they're all getting throwing money at them, so maybe maybe not. Maybe not long too much longer. I, I don't know. If they're not on Raw or SmackDown, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Halo, your five favorites, if there even are any. Um, Cody, Tennille, Tessa Blanchard, um, Flip Gordon, friend of the show, book Flip, and there's not many people I usually look out look out for other than those four people for, for the most part. But I'll say, hmm, I'll say Marty Scroll, per being the elite. And his karaoke. I've never heard of any of them. <laughs> Joey? I've heard of some of them. Do you have five? I don't have, I don't have a list that I, I put together that quick, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, tapping out. All right. Do we have anything else? Yes, we have a question from... I hope I'm not butchering his name. Jason... Jason Peralta Toys on Instagram. Okay. What is your favorite world championship design? My favorite design, personally, is the undisputed title. Just love the overall sh- overall look of the center play, especially in the eagle. Plus, I love the gold on the black strap. My holy grail in, in my WWE collection. My favorite world title design is definitely, has always been, and will always be the winged eagle. Well, I think he said favorite champ. I'm not sure if he means specifically the world title. Oh, or- just any belt. I think it's still the wing. Just Eagle. do both. I think do both. Yeah, my favorite non-world title would still be the the Intercontinental Championship. Which one? 
The, the Savage? Yeah. What color? Was it? Uh, you know what? I, I used to always be partial to the black just because that's the first color I ever saw it on. But for me, all that matters is that plate. That <laughs> main plate, I think, is unbelievable. So those are my... But I, my favorite overall is still the Winged Eagle. That That's the belt I grew up on. That's the belt I saw all my favorites going after. And that will always be my, my favorite title design. Joseph? I always liked the uh, Attitude Era style double winged eagle as well. I mean, that was kind of a kind of a nice title belt, and just the kind of a personal throwback is kind of off. But I always liked the uh, Million Dollar Man belt. I always something I always wanted when I was growing up, watching wrestling as a kid. Good choice. The the belt that he didn't have to win, he had made for himself. <laughs> and Austin had it for a little bit as the ringmaster. It, that's a good one to bring up. It's kind of because it's very very unique. In my, ingrained in my memory. Yeah, very unique title design. Mm-hmm. Um, well, any more listener? Well, I didn't give my answer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, my favorite WWE championship design, well, main world title design, is the Big Eagle because mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know about it. It's it was a lot different from the Winged Eagle because it was so much bigger. And then just watching like, the Rock and Austin just walking down the ring with it and Triple H wear it, mm-hmm. it, it just looks so cool. <laughs> it, it, it's just like it just fit it fit everybody per- perfectly. And my favorite world title, my favorite title design of all time. <clears throat> Is my coveted European <laughs> championship? Just the the ribbon with the European championship wording, the the, um, the flags and glo- just perfectly presented. But an honorable mention, the Attitude Era tag team titles. I don't own that yet, person. You own that yet? But that's my that's my second on my list. How long did your uh, your uncle or cousin hold the European title? Dila. Dila. Oh, uh, I think he's like, what, a three or four-time European champion? I, I always associate him immediately with that title, more so than anybody yeah, else. Yeah, it's kind of what you go to. Yeah, because Triple H was my, the first one I saw with it, but he, of course, went on to bigger things. But between D'Lo Brown and, X, D-Lo Brown and X-Pac, they held it the most. So I associate that belt with, more with D'Lo Brown because... He loved that damn belt. It was just the shenanigans with it, the way he, the way he carried it. He it wasn't lo- fair. He had a breastplate. Yeah. <laughs> a breastplate. <laughs> and then um, my, another, well, one of my favorite, my first, my introduction to Eddie Guerrero was when he was the European champion because I didn't really see much of him in mm-hmm. WCW. So I was also connecting Eddie Guerrero to the European title as well with, with China, which is my favorite rendition of Eddie Guerrero. Right. Yeah, it's a... Uh uh, a really nice title, and I'm glad that you, you brought it up. Oh, I, I expected nothing less exactly. from our resident European yes. champion. Resident black guy and resident yes. European champion. Um, we didn't have any more questions, right? No. Uh, were you ready to... Did you want to do Stump Alo, or did you want to give your NBA Finals preview? We do Stump Alo first. Okay. So Stump Alo, once again, question submitted by Laugh, Godfather of the Matt Madness podcast. Question is At 2013 Money in the Bank, Damian Sandow won and is still considered one of my favorite winners. Who were the other seven in this match? I was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean you remember. <laughs> I was there. It was Dean Ambrose. Yep. Team Road Scholars, which was Sandow and Cody. Mm hmm. I believe Swagger and Cesaro were in it. Yep. That's five. Mm-hmm. Did I miss one more? Oh, Fandango. You need three more. Oh, Fandango. Fandango was in there. You need two more. Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or no, wait a minute. One, one more. more. I'm yeah, sorry. seven. Oh, let uh, me make sure. One, seven, two, two. three. 
Five, six. Yeah, you need one more. Okay, because I'm trying. To, I know for the show, they didn't even give Ambrose an entrance because he came out right after <laughs> the Shield won their match on the pre-show. Fandango came out. Kofi. Wasn't Dolph because he had he was in the world title match. You were there. Can you picture it? I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember because I know there were two tag teams. That was the Real Americans and Team Rhodes Scholars. He was in the Real Americans. Hmm. I said that already. Jack Swagger and Cesaro. You're missing one. Just redo it. It's probably right there at the tip of your tongue. I'm trying to remember. You said you said it wasn't Kofi, Mm-mm. and he wouldn't. Kofi wouldn't have been in the in the in the world one because that was about the um. That was for the only former world champions. About to get stumped. Sinkar. I'll give you three more crack, three more guesses at it. Gosh, God, no, it was mainly it was two tag teams. If you don't get it, you're going to be really pissed at yourself. Really? Yeah. Two tag teams. Who else? It wasn't Henry because he was FIFA mm-hmm. and Cena. wasn't Christian, because he was in the other Money in the Bank match. Archer? Yeah. Two more guesses. <laughs> Sheamus is in the other letter match. God. <laughs> he wasn't in it. It's another one. Yeah. <laughs> God was not in it. He was present, but he wasn't <laughs> in the match. He needs a lifeline. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the card because AJ fought Caitlin, Ziggler fought Del Rio, um, Cena more Henry. Jericho's in the other ladder match. It's going to be an obscure name that you're not thinking of. Kane was another ladder match. Obscure? Not really obscure, no. He was a featured guy for a few years. When I say featured, I don't mean he was, like, top of the card, but he was a guy who was involved and you saw him every week. Hmm. One more guess. Last guess. I can't let laugh get me. (laughs) He's about to. One guess. I I told him when he texted me, he was like, ah, this probably isn't really hard. And I was like, it might be like a recency thing. It's not even that because I forgot there was eight. And then the person's in it because I could tell you who was in the other ladder match. 
because that was all, all former world champions in that in the in the um the one that main evented. The Miz fought Axel for the IC title, mm-hmm. so it wasn't the Miz or Axel. Gosh, what the hell is going on in twin? <laughs> Give it up. Gosh. He is somebody we have talked about on this show before. That, yeah, that, that sums it up. Um, He's somebody I particularly was a big fan of. God. Oh God! I just want to. You ready for me to tell you or no? No. Yeah. Give me. Give me. Give me a second. I'm trying. I can't. Like twenty seconds. That'll work. Um. Wade Barrett. God damn! <laughs> I told you you were gonna be pissed. Like he was, he was around like for a long time. Uh, but if you want a little redemption, what was the other Money in the Bank ladder match? Jericho, Punk, Jericho, Punk, Orton, Cena, RVD, Christian, and Kane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, NBA Finals Game One. Well, I guess by the time this is released, it will be tonight. Mm-hmm. So, what are your thoughts? The Cavs have to win as many games as they can without mm-hmm. with, with, when Golden State does not have Iggy because he'll change the way they defend LeBron. Because I think there's no stopping LeBron, but the, the keys for Cleveland are the players that they got during the trade deadline because they haven't played. Golden State has not played this Cleveland team, that this version of Cleveland team. So. We all know Jordan Clarkson. We've seen them play. He's had success against Golden State. Larry Nance, he can kind of defend Draymond Green's playing of experience guarding him. Rodney Hood, he can he can play. So it's those guys. It's important that those guys actually show show their worth from the trade deadline and actually be a part of this series. Because LeBron can't do it by himself against this team specifically. But they have to. But when Iguodala doesn't play, Cleveland has to take advantage of that as much as they can. If he doesn't play for the first two games, they have to take advantage of that because they could. It's better for them to go back to Cleveland one-one instead of down 0-2. I look at it like they absolutely have to win one of the first two. Yeah. Because I don't see them coming from behind. Like they they were able to come back from 0-2 against Boston. 
I don't see them being able to come back 0-2 against this team. It's I believe that's what happened last year. Did they lose the first two and then they lost game three? LeBron sat for like three minutes, and in the three minutes he sat, they got outscored by 11 points and <laughs> lost. Um, they won game four, and then they, they went back to Golden State for game five. They competed, but it ended in five. I felt like if they could have won game three, yeah, they, and they go back there 2-2, they still had a chance in that series, but you're down 3-1. You're not coming back on that team. They have to win one of the first two games, and... I don't think they necessarily have to win all three home games. I I think their best bet is find a way to get it to Game 7 and just hope LeBron's enough in Game 7. I almost think if they win Game 1, I would almost just sit LeBron for Game 2. <laughs> just be like, look, we got our one here. Let's let him be ready for the rest of this series. I think 9 times out of 10, Golden State wins this series. I do think that if you break it down, LeBron just needs help four times. Mm-hmm. So if Kyle Korver goes off one night and hits six or seven threes, that's a game they could win. If J.R. Smith goes out of his mind for one game, like Joey mentioned earlier, um, he hits five or six threes, maybe they win that game. I don't expect another big Jeff Green game. I think we got the Jeff Green game already. Uh <laughs> If Kevin Love comes back and maybe puts up a couple of 25 and 10 games, maybe they have a chance. Like I said, I think there's nine times out of 10 Golden State wins this series. I think LeBron is the one player great enough to maybe pull this off. But I'll be shocked if this series even goes to six games because I don't think he's going to get the help that he needs. I think the, the biggest chance he has is Golden State letting down a couple games just being overconfident and let a game get away from them. Yeah, because Kevin Love, he kind of renders himself obsolete against Golden State all the time. So, I can't really I can't really count on him. So, it's important for Larry Nance to be out Larry Nance to be out there and actually and be active. Larry Nance, he's not he's not a big scorer, but he does all the little things, all the energy plays. That's that's what he's out there for. So, he has to kind of run around and keep up keep up with out there with Draymond with Draymond Green. Jordan Clarkson, got to do something. I don't we talked about this about um, when LeBron went to Miami and Chris Bosh was 25 and 10, but when he went to Miami, he was like 17 and 8 because he had to sacrifice his game for the for the team. And when it comes to the, some of the guys that got from the, on the trade deadline, specifically Clarkson and Hood, who were actually like yeah. real good scorers, I don't think they actually found their way and they found their niche with that team and how to play with LeBron because Jordan Clarkson was in L.A. He was a little bit ball dumb even as a six-man. Mm-hmm. And he's not able to do that with Cleveland. He's kind of just be a legit off guard, even though he could be off guard, but he still needs to be on the ball as well. And Rodney Hood, he, for whatever reason, he could hardly even get on the court. But those guys have to show up because those have those guys have they have played Golden State and they've had success offensively and defensively against Golden State. But Kevin, like Larry Nance, has chased around Draymond Green, but I do expect Golden State to win in six. Yeah, I think I'll be, LeBron can get you two. I'll be surprised if they win two, just because I don't even know if Kevin Love is going to play in the first two games. I don't know if they've announced if he's through the concussion protocol yeah, yet. I mean, as of yet, no. Yeah, um, but I don't think he's that big of a fact because every time they play Golden State, he doesn't really do anything. But he's a piece that they need if they're going to have a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, if, like if, if Jamie Crowder worked out 
before the trade deadline because he was somebody that could actually kind of offset Draymond because he could do all the things that right. Draymond did, but he just didn't fit into the system. Yeah, I think so. A couple things to look for. One is if they did this a little bit in the Indiana series, I think especially game seven, have George Hill on the ball, have George Hill running pick and rolls with LeBron as the roller instead of the ball handler. Two things happen. One, it either gets George Hill an open shot or it gets LeBron the ball on the move going towards the basket. And it keeps LeBron from having to carry all of the offensive burden if he's not handling the ball on every play. And I think they're going to need to conserve his energy as much as possible. I think they're going to need a big series out of Tristan Thompson. Protecting the rim, offensive rebounds, second chance points. I think that's going to be huge. If he's putting up games where he's getting three points and four rebounds, they're not going to have a chance, I don't think. And what makes the margin of error almost impossible for Cleveland is Kevin Durant is the one guy who can almost match what LeBron is going to do. And then they still have Steph Curry yeah. and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Yeah, It's, it's almost an impossible task to yeah. beat this team. Yeah, because something that was, I think it was game two or three in the conference finals where they kept saying Steph Curry might be tampered with and or hurt. Yeah. But he, apparently he's fine. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time, I, th- I think... It, I'm not sure last year. I don't remember last year, but he's actually, quote-unquote, healthy this time. Yeah, he was healthy in last year's finals. Okay, so, in 2016, he was banged up. Okay, so he was he's in fifth in 15, too. But he's actually healthy in this series, so that that's, that's a disadvantage for Cleveland as well. George Hill, he played well in the last two games to close out Boston for the most part. So he has to continue to do that, but these role players, they got to step up because we know they can play, but – it's that whole playing with LeBron thing. You, you, they, they're not, be, they're not able to be themselves. But they have to show up defensively because even that smallest amount of space you give anybody, I'm going to say they will take you. And like you said, LeBron goes on the bench three minutes, and you get, a, you can quickly get outscored by 11 points. Yeah, it happened last year. I think in that series, I think they were outscored by something like I don't know, 40 points over the course of five games. And I think in that game, I and th- he was like minus one. Yeah, and I think that game three. Where they lost, they were leading most of the game, I think, too. They were winning the whole game. Yeah. He came out for, I, I believe it was literally two minutes and 58 seconds he came out, and they got outscored by 11 points. And that in was less the game. Than three minutes, and that was the difference in the game, yeah. I think they lost, I want to say they lost by like three. When he was on the floor, they were like plus 12, whatever it was, like plus 14 when he was on the, on the floor. And in the three, no, it would have been, they were plus eight with him on the floor for 40. Five minutes, and for three minutes they were minus eleven and lost the game. In that brief little spurt that he was out, he can't play forty-eight minutes every game. No, but he may have to. <laughs> They're just gonna have to find ways to just hold on with him not on the floor. But I, I kind of think they get blown out in game one. I don't know if they're gonna win game two, but I think they're competitive in game two. I think they probably win game three at home. That's it. And that's that's what I yeah I think that's it. They'll win one of their two home games and they'll lose back in Game Five in Golden State. I think they have a chance to win. I just don't think it's a very good chance. I think everything has to go right. I think Steph probably has to have a subpar series. The one thing that could be a difference though is Durant was unreal in the finals last year. Yeah, and he has not been great in the last four or so playoff games. 
So maybe if he has a little bit of an off series, maybe that makes the difference. But I just think Golden State, they just have too much. Mm-hmm. Too many all-stars, too much talent, too many different ways to beat you. And literally, there's no margin of error for Cleveland. Basically, everything has to go right. Yeah, LeBron will lose and then come to Philadelphia next year. Well, we'll see. He's not going to want to come here with Brian Colangelo. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, Colangelo won't be here past tomorrow. I really hope not, Joseph. I'm worried that he will be. Yeah, because the odds was Philly, Philly were still the odds as of noon. The odds on favorite. Then it was, I think it was Houston. No, Cleveland was second. I think Houston was third and the Lakers were fourth. So around 3 o'clock, new odds were posted. Okay. And the Sixers and Cleveland were now even mm-hmm. at plus 175. So they don't have them as the favorite anymore. They have them as one of the top two teams. But they definitely took a hit with this Brian Colangelo story. Can you imagine if LeBron won? <laughs> I think he would stay in Cleveland. You, you, why would you leave? You just won. Yeah, at that point, he has nothing left to do but accumulate numbers. That Him winning this championship might be the most impressive championship any star player has ever won. Yeah, because I, I posted, I don't know if you saw it, but I posted on Facebook about um, comparing the Jordan-LeBron debate, and I, I, I said, the first, the first thing I said was basketball is subjective, but it also stated the, re- the main reasons why people hate LeBron, because his first seven years, everybody loved LeBron. Nobody hated him. Well, the, the decision... <laughs> no, I'm saying the first yeah. seven years in Cleveland, nobody hated him. He was having fun. He was on the, every well, still is, but he was all on every sports center highlight. He's having fun. They had the the cool entr- the cool um sideline dance yeah. and stuff. Everybody loved them. They did. And then that whole decision thing, it it, it made him it made him look crazy. Like because one he aired it, and second he was doing something that was unheard of. Because James, you remember James? We got into this. He got into debate with, with me about it. I'm like, he said, well, super team. He 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 didn't really quote unquote build a super team. I'm like, you could you could say that that could be your opinion, but what everybody else thinks, it's it's the whole it's the it's the totality of it, of what it looks like. That's that's what the perception of it was, not just what you think. The perception of it is that three guys in their prime, I think Dwayne Wayne was only when I was 30 years old, just decided to play together. That was unheard of. Trades happen. If it was, if it was trades, that's different because that happened with Boston in 07. Raylan got traded to Cleveland, um, Boston on draft day. A month later, Kevin Garnett got traded to Boston. And then that was it. But that was through trades. LeBron, he changed the game by having three guys decide to go and link up together. And that was vilified because that was unheard of at the team and defending champion Lakers at the time. That was the only way anybody was really going to beat the Lakers. This was before Dallas ended up right. sweeping them. Yeah, my feeling on the super team is that Boston team was the first of the super teams. But the thing is, it wasn't by decision. Right. But I, I think people don't give that the credit it deserves. Like, yeah, those guys didn't all choose to go to one team. They made trades and got those three guys. But I think people don't realize the culture that we've created as fans is you're judged on rinks. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the hell you do. Like Peyton Manning, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. There's a debate there. But before he won a Super Bowl, oh, he's a choke. Yeah. Dan Marino, you can make a case greatest quarterback of all time. Never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I also said that the first seven years, or actually the first eight years of his career, they'll be held against him because that, especially that Dallas series, you can't forget that Dallas series. Mm-hmm. You, people never forget that. When he carried the team and scored about 23 points in a row, 
well, well the team's 23, 23 points straight against Detroit in 07. They'll never forget that, but that was during his era where everybody loved him. Right. But he'll be vilified for the decision. And then after that, everything he did in Miami was vilified because he basically stacked the, get, stacked the deck with that whole quote-unquote super team. Then they brought in Ray Allen and stuff. The, 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 I garnered more respect for him when he came back because well, I was wondering because I was younger. So I was just hating on everything. Yeah. But <laughs> He garnered a lot of my respect when he went back to Cleveland, and after that 2015 finals, where he basically almost had a triple double, almost took a, took the Warriors six games with yeah. just Matt, Matt Delvadova and Timothy Mozgov for the most part. Then the, I thought they would have won that series if Kyrie was healthy, but then the next year they go back and win the series when Draymond got suspended. But I think those series would have flip flopped. The Cavs should have won in 15, Golden State should have won in 16 because that whole Draymond Draymond Green suspension that. That that shifted the momentum to Cleveland because after that Cleveland won Game six, Game Five and then they went on to win Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, people got pissed at LeBron for the decision and for creating that team. Because nobody, nobody except for that Dallas year, nobody was really touching that team. Right, but my feeling on it was one, LeBron knew, I can't beat these three guys by myself. I need help, so he went and got it. Um, the other issue that I have is there are a lot of people that have a problem with with him choosing where he wanted to go. And my issue is that if he... I feel like it's kind of like if you just look at these guys as employees... I don't have a problem with a guy taking control of his own career. Like, I'd rather these guys choose what they want to do than the owners tell them what they have to do. Um, but with the decision, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with that. But I looked at it like, this guy is my only hope to keep Boston out of the finals. So do what you got to do to make it happen. And, yeah, he's had ups and downs, but I just look at it like this guy was billed as a high school kid as the best player since Jordan, and he is. Hasn't had any issues, hasn't gotten in any trouble, and I think this is kind of what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Like, I think the, the peaks of their career, Jordan's peak is higher than LeBron's peak. But I think if you told me you're starting a team and you could pick one guy, like your first pick, you get his whole career from start to finish, I would pick LeBron or I would pick LeBron over Michael Jordan for that exercise because I know I'm getting at least 15 years of him being dominant whereas Michael Jordan he had the couple years he took off um, he left a second time after three titles. Like that consistency for so long that you're getting out of LeBron, I would take. But again, there also gets to be a certain point where like we don't even need to be arguing this. Yeah, I, I, one I, guy's I, playing now and he's awesome. And yeah, and then I also said another thing that people hate about LeBron, well, complain about LeBron is, and this is true. You could say he's going up against weaker competition in the Eastern Conference because. I think there was something that he he only beat a, a handful of fifty win teams to actually get to the finals. 
maybe a little more than a handful mm-hmm. during during that time span or in the playoffs just in general. So, especially in 60-win teams, he's, the only time he had to really face those guys, was he swept that Atlanta team, mm-hmm. which was only because they, they were on that like 20-game win streak that resulted in most of their 60-something wins. But that's also something he gets vilified for is because he had the easier route to the finals other than Jordan, who ran through 60-win Magic teams, 50-plus uh, win Nick teams, Indiana team with Reggie Miller and Rick Smith and the, and the Davises. Look, Jordan, quote-unquote, had tougher tougher roads to get to the finals. And then no matter what, he's the closest thing you will ever get to perfection. And one thing that, pe- that people don't want to do, people can't stand, is comparing LeBron to perfection, to damn near perfection in Jordan. Yeah. I, I think, though, the other thing that gets lost is the early part of Jordan's career. Yep. He wasn't getting there. So, like, once he finally got there, yes, he won all those titles. But LeBron has never lost in the first round of the playoffs. Um, like I said, there's a certain point where it's like there is no definitive way to say one guy is clearly better than the other. Yeah, and I also and, said that about the, my, a friend of mine. He also said, well, LeBron's faced better competition in the finals. I'm like, well, that's debatable because you, you'll never know because the rules change so much. You wouldn't think Gary Payne would get it all up in Steph Curry's face. You wouldn't think Clyde Drexler would be all up in Klay Thompson's face. You wouldn't think Carl Malone would, would destroy Draymond Green. Like, we can't tell. We can never tell that. So, like, that, that's debatable because that finesse Golden State team would not survive in today's NBA. Would they hit their threes? Yeah, but hand-checking, the way, you can, the way, the, the way, the way your defense is played, it's different. So we will never know that stuff. Yeah, a lot of people make the case that, oh, LeBron wouldn't survive in the, the physical NBA of the 90s. I think he'd be better off because he's bigger and stronger than everybody. And I think the more physical the game is, because think how physical he could be on defense. Think how physical he could be offensively instead of maybe getting called for a charge like that ridiculous one he had on Marcus Smart the other night <laughs> when his elbow never touched him. I think the physicality would play to LeBron's strength because people talk about him playing quote-unquote bully ball. So, yeah, they're both great, obviously. I think they're the two best players ever. Um, I enjoy have enjoyed watching both of them. And for as long as LeBron plays, I want to see how great he can be. The rest of the way. Um, so your prediction is Warriors in six? Yeah. All right, and I'm going Warriors in five with the hope that it is Cavs in seven. <laughs> I'm just not holding out much hope. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing. Mm-hmm. My, another thing I kept saying is you guys are complaining about him now, but when he's gone, you will miss him. Yeah. That's the way it always goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's by far the best player in his generation. Um Hopefully he's a sixer next year. But like you said, if he wins a title this year, he there's no reason for him to leave that team and, and face any type of adversity at that point. Just stay there and see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, anything else wrestling-wise? No. Okay, same here. So that is the show for Mr. Sexy Punakana, then now forever C.K. Joe Rodermill. For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo. Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next week. Hop on the top rope by the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle.
tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. This is Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.